The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. You're having a great day. I know we're having a snowy day, uh, but I know it's not like that everywhere, but it is like that today on the East Coast. But in Pittsburgh, even six inches is not a lot to us. Hey, special shout-out to Yoshiko. Uh, Yoshiko Dart, how are you? She's a great friend of mine. Uh, and a great friend of all people with disabilities, a great disability rights leader. Hello, Yoshiko. Uh, we all love you, Yoshiko, and I know you know that. And I am very excited about our guest today. I've met him, and he is the real deal. Yeah, I'm going to tell you that right now. He is the real deal. He is a great man I mean, this man has devoted so much of his life to community service, uh, so much to helping people. He is the president and CEO of Volunteers of America in Delaware, and that includes overseeing right here in Pennsylvania the Project for Freedom for People with Disabilities. So welcome to the show, Dan Lombardo. Thank you, Joyce. It's an honor. I appreciate it. Well, it's an honor to have you with us, Dan. Hey, I have to tell you, everyone, one other thing. Dan and I have something in common. We're Italian. So every <laughs> time we're together, we talk about food. This is how all Italians are. You know, it's like when I would eat at my grandma's Saletti's, if you ate a normal portion of food, she'd say, hey, granddaughter, what's wrong with the sauce? So, I mean, he can really relate uh, to everything I'm talking about, as I'm sure many of you can. But, Dan, for our listeners, um, how did you first become involved with Volunteers of America? Oh, it seems like a long time ago, but I used to have a consulting firm, and uh, the national office in 1983 changed from its structure, uh, as you know, that the Volunteers of America is a spinoff of the Salvation Army. Uh, the founder of, of Volunteers of America is Ballington and Maud Booth, and as the founders, they created a movement away from the Salvation Army over a dispute of how to minister to the colonies. And so they wanted to, to uh, their, their point to, to the Booth family was that you can't minister to folks if they're hungry, if they have no place to stay, if they have needs that need satisfied, then, only in, then and only then can you preach the word after you've met with their physical needs. So that's how it was created. So when, the, when it was first organized uh, in 1896, uh, they structured it just like the Salvation Army. They had uniforms, you had ranks, and so on and so forth. The last sitting general of Volunteers of America was uh, uh, Raymond Tremont, and uh, he decided that a corporate board model would be much more appropriate for the, for, the, for the new society that we were living in. So we shed the uniforms, we shed the ranks, 
and he turned the advisory committees of the posts as, as, the, as the different entities and volunteers of America were known then. He changed them to boards of directors. And so in 1983, um, they, they, they shed all of the uniforms and, the, and the, the, the structure, military structure, and created the corporate board model. So in the early 80s, in, in about 84 or so, they hired me as a consultant to help them design a support function out of their national office to support these new affiliates that were being created. Wow. Yeah, that goes back quite a way, doesn't it? And yeah, I it have sure to does. say something so that all of our listeners know this. You, Dan, specifically took Volunteers of America in Delaware Valley through quite a transformation that really grew the organization substantially, in my opinion, saved it. Um, you, you know, could you tell our listeners that story and talk about that? Oh, sure. Um, um, once, once I started working for the national office, you know, they were, they, were, they were constantly hounding me. Why don't you come work for us? Why don't you come work for us? And so um, how I got here was um, the last sitting general, uh, General Tremont, uh, talked me into joining the organization, and I went to uh, Texas. And I was the chief operating officer of the Texas affiliate. And then he had his own free consultant. So he would send me on and off to various different places. Go here, check this out. Go there and check that out. So uh, in early 88, about uh, August of 88, he sent me up here to the Delaware Valley, which incorporates uh, the greater Philadelphia area, the southern New Jersey, and the state of Delaware. Uh, So that's the geographic uh, footprint of this area. And he asked me to come. He had some complaints filed against the affiliate, and could I check them out? So I checked them out and came back and wrote the report. And then he sent me back again, and then he sent me back again. And on my third trip, uh, he summoned me back to New Orleans because our headquarters used to be in New Orleans. And he said that uh, I had, uh, he had removed the CEO, and I had six months to make the organization uh, work or shut it down. So I got here in August of 88, and in March of 89, took it into Chapter 11. And we had about $3.96 million worth of debt and about 399 people on our creditors list. And so if you drew a, a 50-mile radius uh, circle uh, in, around our organization, we, had, we owed everybody in that circle money, so to speak. So we took it through uh, Chapter 11. Uh, we totally reorganized. And in, uh, August of, uh, in October of 90, the, the court approved, approved our plan. We implemented it in December of 91 and never looked back. Uh, when we got out of Chapter 11, we were an organization that was about $4.2 million big, and right now we're pushing 35 or $36 million. Wow. How, how do you feel you did that, Dan? Well, um, uh, luck. Uh, so, so Some of it's luck. Some of it is the people that you work with. Some of it is uh, uh, just uh, you know, grit and spit. Sometimes you have to just... Um, really tough things out because there were days that you didn't know if you were going to live or die, uh, if the organization was going to make it or not. Uh, then uh, a lot of good fortune, some, some would call it divine intervention took place, and, you know, the, these, these unique things that happened that, that come together to help us finance the plan. And once we, once we had that, it was time to rebuild our reputation and, and show the community that, that our commitment was to, to the service, to the people that we were serving, to provide them the best quality service, uh, to offer them evidence-based practice that's effective in dealing with the issues of, and of, of their particular programmatic or service needs, 
And so that's what we've been doing. It. It's been doing it like one day at a time, one one program at a time, one person at a time. Well, let me just say this. I don't know that I think a lot of that was luck. I think a lot of that was how awesome you are and your dedication and your determination. That's what I think. So you are very humble, but I just want to say that is my opinion. But just as you said earlier, Volunteers of America is national. A lot of people don't realize how large this organization is, but could you share with our listeners what some of the main programs are? Sure. The the organization is over a billion dollars in size. Um, It is, uh, there are 36 affiliates like ourselves across the country. Uh, We vary in size uh, from small operations uh, that are targeted to certain communities to to being in almost every major metropolitan area. For example, Chicago, L.A., uh, San Francisco, Sacramento. Um, uh, You know, we're in Harrisburg. For, for Pennsylvania, we are in um, New York City, uh, we are in Massachusetts, and so on. Uh, the organization, each each one of the affiliates of of the of the 36 affiliates that are there, each one has their own personality based on the needs of the community. So it's a very broad brush series of of programs and services serving everyone from offenders who are returning to society from the criminal justice system to prevention programs, to uh, spousal abuse programs, to working with folks with uh, disabilities, working with folks with intellectual disabilities, uh, f- working with folks struggling with mental illness, uh, working with folks with physical handicaps. We also do things like we have, we're probably the largest provider of, of um, subsidized, HUD subsidized senior citizen housing in the country. So there's a, a lot of things that we as an organization do. The Delaware Valley affiliate, which now incorporates a part of Pennsylvania, is, an, is a clear example of that. We provide services to offenders. We provide services to employees, we, or parolees, rather. We provide services to, to folks with disabilities. We provide uh, housing. We do a lot of affordable housing. We do special needs housing. In other words, what we would do is we would do what they call supported housing models, where we would try to get folks to to uh, function as much as they can independently in the community and wrap services around them in independent living circumstances, those kinds of things. It is like a Christian-based organization, right? Yes, ma'am. The, the Maud and Ballington Booth were, were part of the old Christian reformers of the turn of the century back in 1896. And yeah. as a matter of fact, Maud Booth... Uh, is known as the little mother of prisons because the first series of halfway houses for offenders in the country was created by Maud Booth. She was the, she was the first woman to be in Sing Sing. Um, she would advocate very strongly against back in the day of, of the striped uniforms and the ball and chain and the absence of health care and education in prisons, in prisons. In many ways, if she were alive today, she'd be a little upset by what we've done in our country regarding prisons and prisoners. So. Uh, she was very, very much uh, of a, a very progressive and creative thinker. You know, that is amazing. That is amazing how, you know, how, in my opinion, really ahead of her time, she was. Absolutely. I mean, that is really an amazing story. 
And, and I know a lot of people don't know that, but we'll talk about that more. Right now, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Dan Lombardo, the president and CEO of Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. At Highmark, we believe what makes us different makes us better. Our differences broaden our perspectives and foster diverse skills which complement each other, creating a stronger and more vibrant workforce. It's this belief that earned us recognition by the USBLN and the American Association of People with Disabilities as a 2014 Disability Equality Index Best Place to Work. So we'll continue to celebrate diverse individuals because inclusion benefits us all. To find out more, visit Highmark.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We are talking to Dan Lombardo today. CEO and President of Volunteers of America in Delaware Valley. And I think we have a caller on the line. Uh, Bonnie, are you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. Okay, welcome. Bonnie Rubin, who is the CEO of Project for Freedom, part of Volunteers of America, right here in Pittsburgh. Bonnie, it's nice to hear your voice. Nice to hear yours, Joyce. Um, did you have a comment you wanted to make about Dan or a question? Um, well, I know that Dan is doing some wonderful things in Delaware Valley, and uh, I am interested in mo- to hear more about what he's doing for people with disabilities in um, in his affiliate. You want to answer that question? There's there's a couple of things that 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 we do. We we have um, a a program for 
folks that uh, traditional uh, human services providers find uh, very difficult to deal with. And we deal with folks that have intellectual disabilities and forensic histories. And one of the things that we do is we move them from institutions and institutional environments into the community, into a community group home kind of living. Then from there, we put them through various different work experiences similar to that of Project Freedom. That's something that I know that Bonnie runs. Um, and so what, what, what we do is we try to get them functioning as, as independently and successfully in society as possible. And we do that in two states. We do that in, in the state of Pennsylvania, in the southeast region of, the, of Pennsylvania, and we do it in southern New Jersey. Wow, that's really great that you work with those areas. That is tremendous. This is what I love about Volunteers of America. And I know you're excited, Bonnie, about this uh, merger that's gone forth. Well, we're always excited to work with other affiliates uh, of Volunteers of America, sharing um, what we do, how we do it, learning more about different programs and how we can make our program better or how we can partner with um, other programs to share what, what we do here in southwestern uh, Pennsylvania. So I've met Mr. Lombardi. He's, a, he's an amazing man, and um, I'm looking forward to learning more from him about how to improve um, what we do here. Good. Well, I think you're doing a great job. I love you, Bonnie. I love everything you're doing. So you keep up the great work. I will. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling in. Thank you very much. Um, And you know, we were talking about uh, Volunteers of America nationally, and I think Dan mentioned earlier, right before we went to break, he was talking about Maud Booth and the great work she has done uh, she was the co-founder, um, a Salvation Army leader, and a co-founder of Volunteers of America. My question for you, Dan, do you still see her vision today carried through at Volunteers of America? Oh, I think so. I think that we're doing it. I know that we try to do that every day. The first series of halfway houses that were created by Maud Booth back in 1896 were called Hope Halls. And the reason they were called Hope Halls is they wanted to give the offenders that were returning to the community hope for the future. Uh, she, as you know, the prison system back then uh, was a, a little bit more uh, uh, structured, a little bit more arcane than it is today. Uh, so there, was, there were a lot less privileges and opportunities for prisoners to reform. So they were, when they were discharged from prison, their chances of being successful in the community were rather limited. That still holds true to today. If you, if you go directly from the prison system in the United States today to the community, you have a 66% chance of reoffending in your first two years in the community. So when you have 60, 66% of the population reoffending their first two years, it shows you that the system that is a very, very expensive and costly system is not doing a very good job. <coughs> where programs like ours come in. What we do is we act like a decompression chamber. We begin to transition from prison. The prison environment is not like society at all. It's a very, very different subculture. So folks have to come back to the community in a transitory kind of way. We have to relink them with their family. We have to link them with resources. We have to get them uh, employable. We have to make sure that if they have particular issues like addiction or mental illness or any other special needs, that those can be addressed so that they can return to society as a successful, productive member of that society. 
And we've been doing that since 1896. Well, when I read about her, wow, she was, just as you said, very progressive for the time that she lived with so much that she did. And just as you're alluding to, you know so much about this. When I saw what she did in prison reform, I thought, wow, I see a similarity with some of the things that uh, you did, you know, in your career in New Jersey uh, with corrections and prison reform. Uh, can you talk about that? Sure. Uh, we... we oh. We have been actively engaged in, in the states that are around us regarding uh, a correctional policy more than anything else. If you, if you take a look at it just from a business person's perspective, uh, you're paying approximately $50,000 a year to incarcerate somebody into a state prison. Now, that person has a chance of either being successful or a, a chance of being, again, another customer of that system. And this is taxpayers' dollars. This is 100% uh, state general revenue that's financing the prison systems. So if you can divert that population away from the prison, and if you can provide them supports in the community for half the cost or less, and they do not return to the system, the amount of money that you save is, is, is exponential over time. And that's exactly what happened in the state of New Jersey. Around a decade ago, we took a look at what was causing the largest increase in the prison population, and that was community parole failures. But the community parole failures weren't, for, weren't there for what they call new offenses. They were called technical violations. In other words, there were certain conditions of parole folks had to meet, and if they didn't meet them, then they were automatically reincarcerated again. If you could divert that population away from the prison system, you cut off 45% of all placements in the Department of Corrections. And so that's what we started in a routine. And it was, a, it was, it was a, a group effort of many, many organizations like ours teaming up and talking to legislatures to pass laws that were a little bit more creative and a little bit more progressive that, that offered treatment instead of punishment. And to, to, to show you how, how successful it's been, in the last decade, the New Jersey prison population has dropped 37%. Is the amount that of right? The wow, that is awesome. So the amount of that money is that really great. Yeah, yeah. The amount of money that taxpayers have saved in that ten-year period of time. Ten years ago, the Department of Corrections budget was a billion three. Now this year's Department of Corrections budget was eight hundred and eighty million dollars. Wow, that is something. Well, you know, and we need that. I mean, so many people with disabilities, uh, young people, end up in prison. You know, some people with autism and uh, epilepsy or mental health issues, things happen, and, and they end up in these systems. And, you know, some of these systems are just terrible. So, you know, it's really great that you did that because uh, that makes a difference in so many people's lives. Uh, I mean, I was just very impressed when I saw that in your background, Dan. And, and Bonnie called in. As I said to all the listeners, I've met you uh, several times, and you are so committed and passionate about Project for Freedom and people with disabilities that it has just been wonderful. Um, can you talk about that, about Project for Freedom? Uh, Project for Freedom is a very exciting program that I think has a lot of potential. 
that I would love to see grow and evolve. It is a, uh, a, a special project that, it, that includes partners such as employers, the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, and other local organizations that provide um, support, such as seminars for focus on abilities and so on and so forth. There's been a lot of successes that have happened to date. There are, there are many uh, people that we can point to that are now Project of Freedom graduates that, have, that now work for PennDOT, that now work for um, uh, folks like uh, UMPNC and look, working for uh, PNC Bank. So those, those, uh, those, are, those are some of the people that have been able to go through the program. Uh, and there's also a summer program for youth. Uh, from 16 to 21 years of age, and it works works and focuses on employment goals, job readiness, communication skills, interviewing, interviewing skills, you know, successes in the workplace. The whole design is for them to build confidence to go ahead and take that shot. You can do this. You can do this. And so, the pro the Project for Freedom has uh, has I think an opportunity to grow significantly, especially in the Pittsburgh area. And we're hoping that that'll be something that'll be happening in the up and coming year. Yes, and I hope to see it spread to Delaware. I mean, I, I as you said, I think it is such a great uh, program for those of you listening, or for companies. I know with Section Five Hundred Three of the Rehabilitation Act that many businesses are required to have a seven percent aspirational goal of employing people with disabilities. So, Pittsburgh Project for Freedom. Great organization, part of uh, VOA, uh, Volunteers of America, and they train entry-level people with disabilities um, about working in customer service, call center, various areas. So if you're interested, call them, hire someone. You know, even today, we have an intern from Project for Freedom working in our office for the next two weeks, and he is outstanding. So, you know, Project for Freedom right here in Pittsburgh, make sure that you check it out and get involved. So, Dan, here you have, you've done these wonderful things. What are your goals for Volunteers of America of Pennsylvania now that they've merged with your organization in Delaware Valley? Well, our, our, our goal over the next year is, is mostly stabilization. Uh, we, there, as a result of, of uh, an absence of leadership, there have been some uh, real issues that we have, have had deliberately to plan to overcome. Uh, what, we, what we intend to do is we intend to take a look and do an analysis of every particular site that we have now as our responsibility in Pennsylvania, and there are there are several. There's one in Allentown, Bethlehem. There's one there's one in, in uh, the Wyoming Valley and in, in Wilkesbury, and there are several programs in Harrisburg, and then of course there's the Pittsburgh programs. And what we would like to do is we have now just about completed an analysis of each of those programs and see where the growth is. For example, we we've we had a meeting with state officials in the in, in the Wilkesbury area. Who, who went on our website and saw that we work with folks with intellectual disabilities. And they wanted to know if we could do that in the greater Wyoming Valley. And so we said we'd be honored to take a look at that so, to see if we could meet with their needs. So that, for example, is, is another potential area of growth. Bonnie has been, has been doing some very unique things in Pittsburgh, trying to, 
that broaden her, her, her perspective by going into Butler County and trying to take a look at other counties around the greater, greater Allegheny County to see if she can ex- expand her footprint. It's those kind of things that are necessary. The other thing is we hope to reach out to some of the foundations in the area to see if we can generate some, some revenue that can help us uh, uh, support some of our facilities, to help support uh, uh, innovation techniques or new technology that we might need to, to keep ourselves relevant in, in the 21st century. Those kinds of things is what our plans are. Oh, I am behind you on that 100%. So, you know, and again, all of you listening to the show today, I hope you take that very seriously because these people from Project for Freedom want to work, are dedicated to work, and will give you 100% uh, commitment. So, Dan, it's very obvious to me with how committed you are and how passionate you are and how you've been such a great leader for these organizations and done so much that you had to have someone that was a role model that impacted you and your life uh, to move forward as you have. And who would that be? Oh, I, it's, I, I, have, I guess I could count uh, being lucky that I've had I've had many mentors. I, I remember as a kid, I, I'm, the, I'm the oldest of five, and, and I remember uh, as a kid uh, growing up and at the, at the dining room table, especially during the holidays, we would always set an extra place at the table. And I asked my, my folks, why would we set an extra plate at the table? You know, there's just the seven of us. And it says, just in case somebody needed a meal, just in case somebody should wander in, and happened to be hungry, wanted to make sure that we were ready to serve them. And I think that's how it all started with my folks. And then there were folks who saw things in me that I didn't see for myself. Uh, I, I used to work for a camp uh, called Camp Variety. And I, worked, I used to work with, uh, with children that had physical disabilities. And uh, there was a, a camp director there who, who, who saw that had a very unique gift in working with kids and, and did everything. And the most difficult and the most challenged uh, clients that we had at the time or, or campers that we had at the time always got assigned to me. And I kept asking him why. and Because he, he would say that you had certain things that no one else had. And so it, it's those kinds of things. People who, who have sort of touched me and, and people like you, Joyce, who have had a tremendous impact on my life. And in and, and, and the brief meetings that we've had, you've blown me away. It, it, it's it, the kinds of, kinds of passion and energy that you bring to what you do and how active that you are in the community, in the greater Pittsburgh community, is absolutely incredible to me. And so I would consider you also one of my mentors. Well, that's quite a uh, compliment coming from you, Dan. Uh, And I mean that sincerely. But, folks, it's time to go to some of our questions that have been sent to us uh, prior to the show because we always advertise through voiceamerica.com who is going to be on the show. So the first question is from Cindy in Philadelphia. And the question is, first, Dan, thank you for all of your doing, everything you're doing to help people with disabilities. Um, tell me, how do you keep going when we face so many obstacles and barriers? How are you able to do that? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I, I guess, maybe, I don't know if it's because I'm too dumb to quit. 
or if it's if it's just that uh, if if I see that it's an opportunity to make a difference, I'll do whatever it takes to make that difference. Um, it, Pennsylvania, for example, has really not had a budget, and it's a shame. It's because we're we're in month month eight of 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 the fiscal year, and still not a complete budget in the state of Pennsylvania exists, and yet. You know, there are many, many advocates across the state that have been pushing and pushing hard to make sure that services to folks most in need are maintained. And we love being part of that. We love being uh, actively involved in stuff like that because folks need someone to, to speak up for them. There are times that they do need an advocate, and that's what we love to do. Wow. That is a great answer. It really is. Okay, here we have Terry from Scranton, and the question is, uh, Dan, you know, I can tell you've been very successful. What is your opinion of leadership skills you look for in employees? You know, I think that the most important thing a leader uh, can do is operate by a very simple axiom, and that is don't ask people to do something that you're not willing to do or have not done yourself. If you can, if you can do that, and you can and you can lead by example, that's probably the most effective leadership style you can you you can have. Uh, I'm not a dictatorial kind of person. I'm not one that's going to tell people what I want them to do. Uh, I'm going to encourage people to do what's right, what their gut tells them. Uh, we have a certain series of programs and services that are targeted to serve folks that have very, very specific and challenging needs. So what our commitment has to be is that we as an organization, from the person sitting in in my office to the person that's cleaning my office, that what we have to do is, as a collective, make sure that what we're doing is our best to make sure that the people that we serve get our best. Yes, another great answer. Okay, we have Larry from Cleveland, and the question from Larry is, Dan, many not-for-profits today are experiencing loss, experiencing a hard time bringing in funding and revenues. Do you feel that the main reason is just the economic situation, or do you believe companies have just decided that they do not want to contribute as much as they used to to not-for-profits? Another great question. Um, the, the more and more uh, government decides to walk away from its uh, primary responsibility to care for its people, and uh, they now uh, put more and more of that pressure on the operators of those programs and services like us, not-for-profits, the harder and harder it is for us to supplement what uh, we need to provide those services from private sources. Foundations have limits. Corporations have limits. Um, and corporate responsibility is, is something that will depend on the personality of the corporation, how much they contribute, how engaged they are in their community. And that's what you can tell. You, you can tell how successful programs are by the number of corporations and community leaders are engaged in the same mission as they are. Many of the people that we serve you know, they're not diseases. They're not, they're not things that are popular. Uh, you're talking about folks, for example, that are homeless. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stereotypes that surround folks. And, and for, for folks who, who are donors, 
There has to be something that personally attracts them to the mission in order for them to give. And it's our responsibility to, to be as articulate as we can about making sure that they understand who we're serving, why we're serving, and why, they, why we need their help. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it works well, and sometimes it doesn't. So it's almost reflective of the times. 2008 was a really, really rough period of time for us, financially for, from our financial supporters, but it was a rough time in the country. So, of course, then, you know, six years ago, eight years ago, it was really, really tough. Now it seems to be turning the corner. So we'll hope that over the next couple of months it'll start to get better and better, especially around income tax time. It's always good to, to encourage folks to be a donor. Yes, that's right. Okay, well, we have Linda for right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And she says, Dan, thank you for everything you're doing for Project for Freedom. My question to you is what advice do you have for young people or adults with disabilities that are trying to find employment but cannot due to barriers that are brought forward to them? There is a, a couple of things that I would like to recommend. Uh, if, if one of the things that you will find in an organization like Project Freedom is you will find people that will help you self-advocate. One of the most important things that I think uh, folks with disabilities have to do is they have to speak for themselves. They have to advocate for themselves. We have an organization in Philadelphia that was created by folks that we serve with intellectual disabilities. And the name of that service is called Give Voice. And what it is, it, it was started by a staff person who encouraged them to start writing letters to the governor because there was no budget and there was no way of being having our services reimbursed by the state of Pennsylvania. So this group came together and they were began their little letter campaign, little postcard campaign, done by folks with disabilities. Not only that, they decided that they would only use staff people as advisors and they were going to run it themselves. So they've testified at legislative hearings. They continually to buttonhole legislators in our local area. And I think that might be another thing to do is, is to, to talk to elected officials about uh, making sure that there is an, uh, an even playing field for folks with disabilities. And that's the best way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, just as you've said before, uh, it's hard, but you have to never give up. Never give up. Uh, because, you know, it is those that keep on pushing forward, no matter what is said, that end up achieving that dream at the end. Don't you agree with that, Dan? Absolutely. Relentlessness is the key. Yes. Relentlessness is the key. What a great saying that is. But right now, we are getting ready to go to break. If you've just joined us, we've been talking to Dan Lombardo, President and CEO of Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley. If you know of anyone interested in the work they're doing, make sure you go to their website and make sure you tell everyone about this organization. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back with Dan Lombardo. 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. At Highmark, we believe what makes us different makes us better. Our differences broaden our perspectives and foster diverse skills which complement each other, creating a stronger and more vibrant workforce. It's this belief that earned us recognition by the USBLN and the American Association of People with Disabilities as a 2014 Disability Equality Index Best Place to Work. So we'll continue to celebrate diverse individuals because inclusion benefits us all. To find out more, visit Highmark.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985... Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hi, welcome back, everyone. Hey, we've been talking. All day to Dan Lombardo, the CEO and President of Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley, and now overseeing Pennsylvania. He is an awesome person and a great leader. We're so lucky to have him with us on the show. And make sure you follow up with Volunteers of America just to see the great things that are happening. So, Dan, wow, when I was looking at your bio, you have accomplished so much, so much in your total career, more than most people. So my question to you is, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Wow. I would have to say that um, my greatest accomplishment are my children. Um, I, I have I have seven children. Um, I have uh, four, five are biologically mine and two are biologically my my wife's, uh, but they might as well be mine too. Uh, we we can point back to to what they have been able to accomplish in their lives and what they've been able to do with their lives. That's got to be the example that gives me the most pride because their mom is a special person, uh, what they've been able to do in their, in their lives, in their community, and with their children. 
I mean, that to me has has been the thing that's been the, uh, given me the most pride and 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 the most comfort in that 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 my life has had meaning and has has had an impact on something very very special, which is my family. Wow. Well, Dan, you have a big family. You have a good Italian family there, Dan. I really do. <laughs> yeah, so you must be making a lot of Italian food there. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I I absolutely love to cook. So does my wife. My wife loves to cook, and so we we have uh, we have those those. She she's one of ten in her family. So our our th- our Thanksgiving this year was we were we were a little under quota, so we only had about thirty seven people for Thanksgiving this this past year. Oh my goodness, thirty seven. Which is people. nice, you know, wow. a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of fun, a lot of laughter. It's always a deal. It's always it's always a, a most enjoyable deal. So, Dan, I know you love to cook. What is your favorite meal for you that you that you make? What is your, in your opinion, your best? Oh, dish, uh, I think I make a pretty good tomato gravy. I really do. Um, uh, I, I I make my own meatballs from scratch. I I, I have found a very excellent source of Italian hot sausage, uh, and and my and my tomato sauce takes all day to make. So um, it ends up being that that to me uh, is and I make the homemade pastas and so it, it's that to me is, is is what brings that's food for the soul. Oh, I'll tell you what, I love, I just love someone that can make good pasta and I mean sauce and I know you know Dan if you're Italian and you go out to a restaurant oh it better be good right. Oh, it better be real good. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, if, if not, you're not coming back. You're not coming back. So, Dan, what message would you like to live, leave with our listeners today? I think there are several things that that, that I would I would like to to suggest to them. Uh, first of all, uh, there are people in our in our society who need a hand. But it's a hand up, not a hand out. They need an opportunity. They need an opportunity to be successful. And for those on, on the line that, that, are, that are employers, they need to take some risks because they might be surprised by the investment that they make in one person, what that person can do for that entire organization. The second thing is folks that have unique needs and disabilities, I would like to suggest that they get engaged with a group to advocate for themselves because there isn't anyone more effective at dealing with elected officials and with government agencies than people who know the issues that they're facing better than anybody else. And for them, that's the idea. Get out there, get your face out there, let them try to understand the world you live in, the issues you have to overcome and the problems that they can break through if they give you a little bit of assistance. Third is, for folks that are listening that that want to support organizations like ours, I would suggest that you do a couple of things. First of all, you know, if you were buying a car in the old days, you would kick the tires. I would suggest you do that same thing for any organization that you're going to donate money to. Where are they? What have they been? Who do they serve? Can you find them on GuideStar? Can you, can, you, can you take a look at, at who they serve? Can you see 
uh, examples on their websites of the people that they're serving. This way you know exactly where your contribution is going. You'll know exactly who you're serving. You know exactly who you are, you are helping give that hand up. Wow. That is great advice. That really is. And, folks, if you've been listening to the show today, we have been talking to Dan Lombardo, President and CEO of Volunteers of America, Delaware Valley, now merged here in Pennsylvania. And I just want to say, don't forget to check out Projects for Freedom if you're here in Pittsburgh because you're changing a life, changing a life when you employ someone. You're giving them something they've never had before, and that is dignity. That is life like everyone else. Buy a car, get an apartment, live the American dream. You all know I'm living with epilepsy, and you know I'm on a crusade for the competitive employment of people with disabilities. Don't forget Project for Freedom. So we end every show with a quote by someone that I believe has impacted so many others. And today, that quote is from, guess who? Ballington Booth. Our work is not all bread and shelter. The underprivileged, the weak, and the unfortunate need more. They need the sympathy the warmth of fellowship, and the instilling of courage. Said Ballington Booth. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Hey, talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.